coming to you live from the basement of an abandoned house in the middle of a field. It's the Derek Izzy Show. Welcome to the Derek Izzy Show. I am the aforementioned host, Mr. Izzy. I want to thank everyone for listening and especially thank our two sponsors of the show. We've got IzzyRacketball.com for all your racquetball needs and for all your cross-training needs. If you need a pair of sneakers that will provide good support for any sport, check out the T22s on IzzyRacketball.com. Our other sponsor is NatureBox, the king of healthy food snacking. Click on the NatureBox link on my website. That will take you to their website and that will let them know that you heard about them on the Derek Izzy Show. You get 50% off your first order. And what they do is ship you snacks every month, a different variety of healthy snacks. They taste great. Trust me, because... I will never endorse a product that I don't use myself. So just click on the link on the homepage, save 50% off your first order, and you heard it on the Derek Izzy Show. Now, on to today's topic. The topic of today's podcast is a singer who is no longer with us. He was the lead singer of a band called Beetlejuice. They played all over New Hampshire and in the Boston area of Massachusetts. They were a Beatles tribute band, and they were the last band that this singer played with before his tragic death. He was born on June 12, 1951, raised in Massachusetts. In 1964, he saw the Beatles perform on the Ed Sullivan Show, and that event set in motion the musical career of this famous singer. He was the youngest of four children. As a child, he sang in his church choir. He later sang with a band called The Monks, playing shows around town with his high school friends. And they also played other places like the local YMCA. Uh, He got a job working in a manufacturing plant. They made heating coils for Mr. Coffee machines. He basically led... An ordinary life until his career took off. Now, to give you a little bit of information about what type of person this man was, I got several interviews with friends of his, colleagues of his, and his family from other news organizations, and they all they all describe him as a very generous, very giving, and a very loving person. He never had anything bad to say about anyone. In all of his interviews, he always had a positive outlook on life. That's one of the things that makes his death all the more shocking, because he died from suicide. In my research, the way everyone describes him, I would kind of compare him to a yellow lab. That's a very common dog, so I'm sure a lot of you can relate to to that analogy. 
the way a yellow lab is a larger dog, but at the same time, they're very, very friendly. Other dogs can mess with them and annoy them and do all these things, and they'll always remain calm and happy and easygoing. And that seems to be the way this singer was throughout his life. Up until his death on March 9th, 2007, he had a long and amazing musical career. In his personal life, he went through a lot of trials and tribulations over the course of his career. He was married twice and divorced. He had two children by his second wife. He was a vegetarian for over 30 years and contributed to a number of charitable causes. He was very big on supporting the arts and just supporting people. He would make a lot of personal sacrifices. Uh, For example, if a band needed some help with their vocals, he was more than willing to stop by and help. He'd basically give you the shirt off his back if that's what you needed. On March 9th, 2007, he was found dead in his home on Academy Avenue in Atkinson, New Hampshire. He left four suicide notes to his family members and left a public suicide note paper-clipped to the neck of his t-shirt, which read, I am a lonely soul. The way he committed suicide was to bring two charcoal grills inside the master bedroom of his home, lit them, and sealed the master bedroom so none of the smoke could get out. The official cause of death was carbon monoxide poisoning. According to his friends and family, there's mixed causes for his death. There's a lot of unsure circumstances that surrounded this. Everyone believes that it definitely was suicide. However, the circumstances leading to the suicide are what come into question and what make this an interesting and little-known story. Heartbreaking testimony has emerged from friends and former bandmates of this singer regarding the circumstances surrounding his 2007 suicide. A guitarist and leader of the famous band that this singer was a part of filed a lawsuit against a newspaper which portrayed the guitarist as being the leading cause of this singer's suicide. The newspaper published information that showed a long history of disagreements and arguments between this guitarist and the singer, and that our singer, who killed himself, was basically bullied by this guitarist. That the guitarist was very hard on him, told him what to do, was stealing money from him, talked about all these accusations, and said that that information had led to his suicide. Years and years of emotional abuse and personal struggle with this guitarist was being blamed as the cause of death for our singer. While that might have been a contribution, it does not look like that was the leading cause. In the research that I've done, I've found that this singer had thoughts of suicide as early as when he was a teenager and had dealt with depression for the majority of his life. 
Now, this guitarist filed a lawsuit, defamation lawsuit, against the newspaper, and ultimately uh, he lost his lawsuit because he failed to prove that the paper directly blamed him. But what I found out was information regarding his suicide that was not released at the time of his death. During his final moments on this earth, he had gone through a lot of personal struggles. In his home, he lived with his fiance, Pamela Sullivan. He lived with her sister, Meg Sullivan, who also had a bedroom in the home. And in that bedroom lived Todd Windmill, who was Meg's boyfriend as well. Our singer had set up a hidden camera in that bedroom and taken video of Todd and Megan in that bedroom. The camera was discovered shortly before our singer committed suicide. The boyfriend, Todd Windmill, says our singer essentially apologized for about a half hour, and then I told him he had to tell Pamela. He didn't like the thought of having to do that. As it turns out, Pamela had an affair the previous summer, an event that deeply affected our singer, and in an email to Meg, he compared Pamela's deception to his own, though he continued to apologize for the camera. I want to try to make you understand that I consider myself a decent person who made a dreadful error in judgment. That's what he wrote to Meg. The newspaper, the Boston Herald, reported this. While the family still blames the guitarist for pushing our singer to commit suicide, the truth may be more complicated. This hidden camera detail was something that was left out from the original reports, probably because they didn't know about it. But when it came out later in court documents, it definitely brought more light onto the subject. I've reached out to Meg Sullivan. I've reached out to Pamela Sullivan. I reached out to Todd Windmill. And I even reached out to our singer's daughter, Jenna. And I was unable to get anyone to speak to me on the show regarding this tragic event. Those of you in the New Hampshire area probably have an idea who I'm talking about, who this famous singer is. The rest of you, this famous singer was none other than Brad Delp, lead singer for the band Boston. The guitarist that Brad had all these conflicts with was Tom Scholes. And while in all the public interviews that they did, they never talked about the conflict between them, but it appears that there was one. However, it does not appear that that was the leading cause for Brad to commit suicide. Boston released a new album at the end of 2013 called Life, Love, and Hope. Brad Delp has vocals on that album. So if you'd like to hear it, you can pick up that album and you can still hear him years after his death. As far as anything going forward into the future, 
the Brad Delft Foundation is being monitored and maintained by his family, you can go there to check out information on music and scholarships that they can provide for you if you're trying to make it in the music biz. If you'd like to check out more about that foundation, just go to braddelpfoundation.org. All the information you need is right there. And now, as we close the show, I'm going to leave you with a recording. This is one of the songs that got Boston known throughout the world. It's a special version where Brad Delp's vocals are highlighted, and I hope you enjoy it, knowing that he is no longer with us on this planet, but that his music and his words live on. Thank you for listening. This has been the Derek Izzy Show. Good day. I looked out this morning and the sun was gone. Turned on some music to start my day. Then lost myself in a familiar song. I closed my eyes and I slipped away. It's more than a feeling When I hear that old song They used to play And I begin dreaming Till I see my life walk away I see my Mary Forget the day and dream of a girl I used to know. I close my eyes and she slipped away. She slipped away. It's more than a feeling